So good to be in God's house with you this morning. How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? It's not bad. We can do better later. I am excited to be in God's house this morning. I can tell you, man, the, uh, when I talk about the enemy that uh, is uh, coming against us, like how many of you know the enemy of pollen? I tell you, I've been battling the enemy of pollen all week long. I am so over pollen. I wish pollen, I could just punch pollen in the face. You ever feel that way? I feel that way because I feel like pollen has already punched me right in the nose. So if I sound a little stuffy this morning, uh, if I sound like a cartoon character, I apologize. But pollen has overtaken me this week. But we are on the road to victory. Amen. Thank to Jesus. Thank you to Jesus and Nasalcrom. We are on the way to victory. <laughs> God bless. So I hope you're having a great week. If you're not, it's all right. It's about to get better because God's word is good. Amen. Amen. I uh, want to welcome you again, Found Life Church. And for those of you who may be here for the first time and don't know who I am, I am Pastor Dustin Alexander. I'm the lead pastor here at Found Life, and I am privileged and honored to, to lead this church. And we're so excited. I want to remind you that next Sunday we have Found Life Next. Now, if you're wondering what's Found Life Next, well, I'm glad you asked. Found Life Next is your opportunity to find out what Found Life is all about. If you've been wondering if you've been here a couple times or maybe you've been here for a long time and you really don't know a whole lot about Found Life Church other than what you see on Sunday morning, well, now is your opportunity. Next Sunday after service, um, we're going to have child care available for you. We're going to serve uh, a light lunch. We're going to make it really, really easy for you to come uh, right after service. It, it'll take about 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to have a, a Found Life Next Found fast track so that you can learn everything in one day. How many of you are excited about that? I'm counting hands here. Let's see anybody pass the lights. I know that you're all going to be there and we will run out of food very soon, but we want to give you that opportunity to let you know all about that and to show you all the ways that you can get involved. I talked about it last Sunday, man. Our kids' church is growing by leaps and bounds, and, and we are looking for, uh, some of you have already signed up to be a part of our kids' team, and I thank you, and I encourage you, those of you that haven't yet, I encourage you, uh, even today after service, to go back and, and, and talk to our Connect team, and they'll show you how to get involved with our kids. Uh, this morning, as we continue, we're in week three of our series relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals. For those of you, you've, you've went home and no doubt you've uh, probably searched this on Instagram and I apologize for whatever it is that you found, but uh, hashtag relationship goals. Uh, over 14 million posts with that hashtag. And most of them are centered around, you know, what I would consider to be uh, silly things, but people post these things called relationship goals, man. You've got somebody that's, uh, I told you last week, I saw a picture of the man and he's like holding his wife like by one arm and he's dangling over this uh, like beach scene and there's sharks swimming in the, in the water below. And it's like hashtag relationship goals. And um, for Jessica and I, it would be more of a hashtag divorce. Um, it, it, would not be, it would not work out well. Um, it, it would not be something that would be uh, good for our marriage. But you see this all the time. And, and we see these relationship goals that the world, and we see the relationship goals that people want. And they say, I want that. I want that kind of love. I want, I want that. I want the sunset heart hands. I want everything that, that, that the world says is all about a relationship. I want that. But so often we don't know what that is. And so we began to talk about what that is, what real love is. We don't want uh, the fake love. We don't want the, the carefully crafted, photoshopped. We don't want the, uh, the, the TV sitcom love. We don't, we don't want, even though, uh, you know, it, it was part of my childhood, man, I, I loved me some Zach and Kelly, you know what I mean? Nobody else out there, no, no 80s kids, no 80s, 90s kids out there. I'm saying I got one of you that'll bear witness. That's what I'm saying. Zach and Kelly, that was my relationship goals. Like I wanted to be Zach Morris, man. And, and, but even in that, I've realized as I've gotten older that, that that was a carefully scripted, that was carefully planned. That's not real. And not only that, but man, they went to college and, and Kelly left them for a professor and I forever hate Kelly now because of that. I think they got back together and got married, but you know, it was never the same after that. You know what I'm saying? But that's not real. We want something that's real. We want something that's real. We want God-given. And so in order to, to have something that's real, we have to address some of the realities of our life. 
We have to address some of the realities of marriage, some of the realities of relationships. And, and if you're single, we've, we've got something for you in this and goals and aspirations for when God does bring your, your perfect match and your perfect mate along and, and you guys want to set out on a life together, you should have some goals for your future relationship. But I want to warn you this morning, and I'm going to say this just very quickly, is today as we get into uh, our message and as we bring this in, I, I believe the enemy has been fighting us all week and fighting in the church and doing things because this morning I want to address some sensitive issues. And so I want to give you the opportunity if, if you have kids that you brought in here and we're going to talk about some things that are real. And we're going to talk about some things that affect couples, that affect people uh, in the reality, in the context of our society. And so if you need to excuse your kids to, to found life kids or whatever you need to do, I just want to give you that um, opportunity. Nothing that we do is in an attempt to be crass or for a shock factor. That's not what we're going for. But the reality is we face very dark uh, times We face very dark addictions and things that the enemy would seek to keep hidden in darkness in our society that he does not wish for the church to talk about. You understand what I'm saying? But see, the scripture said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, he will bring, Paul said, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. And so today we're going to address just some of those things. And so I just want to let you know and give you an opportunity. If that's not for you, um, then, then you can excuse yourself. But we want to address some of the realities of marriage and some of the things that we face as individuals, as couples, uh, and some of the real problems that we face this morning. Is that all right? All right. You know, no one ever goes into a marriage with the goal of destruction, like, I've never known anybody that went into a marriage and said, you know, if, if you asked them at the wedding and you did, like, the interview with the camera, like, hey, what are your goals? What do you think uh, the goal for your marriage is going to be? Well, you know, we're going to have a good run for two years. We're going to fight for three years, and then we're going to be divorced by the fifth year. I'm going to be remarried by my seventh year. That's my – nobody ever goes in with that goal. Nobody ever goes in, and you, they don't do the interview, and the wife says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get so enamored with buying shiny things. I'm going to get so enamored. You know what? I'm just, I'm planning on running up a lot of credit card debt, and uh, he has no clue about it. He's not going to find out until we are buried with credit card debt, and, and then we're going to fight about it, and, and that's going to be what, what we're going to do. Nobody ever goes in and said, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, um, you know what? I'm, year one's going to be pretty good, but then in year two, I'm going to develop an addiction uh, to pornography, and then uh, we're going to fight about that, and then uh, we're going to have, uh, I, I won't be able to stop, and then the thrills of marriage are going to be gone, and, and we're going we're gonna to lose all intimacy. That's going to be uh, our goal, or, or we're going to get busy with kids, and we're going to get busy with the, the, the house and, and just kind of ignoring each other, and, and we're just going to become really good roommates. See, nobody goes in with the, the idea, the plan, and that they're going to drift apart, that these things are going to happen, that they're, they're going to lie to each other, or they're going to uh, do these things. Uh, nobody goes into it with those kind of goals, but yet so many marriages end up in places that they never thought possible. Have you ever heard that before, or maybe uh, seen that where... Somebody says, I never thought that I would end up in a loveless marriage. I never thought this would, when we were kids, when we were young, I, I never thought that this would happen to us. I never thought that we would be the couple that would just go through the motions. I never thought that we would be the ones that would end up in divorce court. I never thought that we would be the ones. See, you hear that so often. Nobody ever thinks that that's where they're going to end up. You've seen friends or couples. You ever had that couple? You thought, man, of all people, I never thought they would get divorced. I mean, I thought, surely I thought that, that, that me and my wife wouldn't make it long before them. I mean, they seem like the perfect couple. They seem like they had it all together and it shocked you. But how did they get there? See, how did they get there? We never stopped to ask the question, how is it did we get here? How is it did they get there? How did we get to this place? And see, if you are not intentional about your direction, then you don't know where you'll end up. See, when we start off so many times in marriage, we're not intentional about the direction that we're headed. We're not intentional about where we are going. And so thus, where we end up, we have no clue. It's kind of like right now if I left the parking lot and I just started driving. I don't know if I don't set a map, if I don't set a course, if I don't put a place in Siri or even have a general idea of, of where I'm going, then I could end up anywhere. I could end up over in Clearwater at the coast. I could end up in, in down at the Keys. Um, I could end up in, oh my gosh, I could end up in Alabama of all places. Oh God, Ooh. 
Oh, <laughs> oh Lord, not that thought. Um, but, you know, if you, if you don't set a direction, then you could end up anywhere. And so many, so many marriages end up in places and they look around and they say, how in the world did we get here? And it's because they never set a direction for their marriage. They never set a direction for their life. But not us. Not this congregation, not Found Life Church, not those of you in here, we have a vision, right? We've got a plan. We've got goals. We've got, we want better. We've got a direction for our life. Solomon said in Proverbs, the 29th chapter in verse 18, he said, where there is no vision, the people perish. But see, we have a vision. We have goals. We have, we have a place that we want to go. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. The first goal that we set is we want to be christ centered we want to be christ-centered at the center of everything that we do at every decision at every point at every turning point we want to be christ-centered we don't want it to be mine and yours but we want it to be his direction we want it to to line up with his word we want to be christ-centered in everything that we do and so we've committed ourselves to praying together and i got to tell you man i've heard uh testimonies already of couples who have uh started praying together and how god has already began to work and change i can tell you even for jessica and i you know, we've committed, we've prayed together uh, for years, but committing to praying together more faithfully has made a huge difference even in these last couple weeks as we've faced difficulties of our own and problems of our own. It's made it so much easier to get along. It's amazing. You want to start getting along really good with your spouse? Then, man, start praying together. And so we are going to be Christ-centered. Last week we talked about being Christ-centered and being mission driven you have a mission as a couple you have a purpose together we're serving god and we're serving god better together so you have a mission a mission in serving a mission and a call to those outside of the church to share christ's love and the gospel outside of it you have a mission and this week we want to talk about being devil kicking devil kicking like just devil kicking maybe you're from the 80s and your devil kick looks a little bit more like that. That's how my devil kick looks like. I'm just like, you know. For those of you that don't know, that is the karate kid, the one and only Ralph Macchio. But we want to be devil kicking. See, some of you don't realize or maybe you don't want to think about it or, or you just want to pretend that it doesn't exist. But there is a real enemy. If there is God, there is a, if there's a real God, there's a real enemy that, that hates your guts. Always remember, we have to always be vigilant. We have to always remember that in Jesus addressed this, Jesus talked about this in John 10, 10, he calls him the thief that goes about and, and seeking who he may steal. He calls him the lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, these things, there is a real enemy and he hates everything that matters to God and to you. Everything that's important to God Everything that's important to you, he hates it and he wants to destroy it. And so we're going to learn how to be devil kicking today. We're not going to take any more of his stuff. We're not going to take, we're not going to fall for any more of his traps, his lies. We're not going to fall into those snares that he's set for us. Amen. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, if you turn with me, they'll have it on the screen. If you don't have your smartphone or your Bible or whatever it is that you use uh, to to. Uh, enjoy God's word, but in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, it says, Paul says, put on all of God's armor, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. How many of you know that the enemy strategizes on how he can defeat you? He thinks about it, he plans it, he plots your destruction, and so Paul is saying here, put on God's armor so that you can withstand all of the strategies of, of the one who is the father of lies, who is the, the epitome of evil, the one who wants to destroy you more than anything else so that you can stand firm against all strategies. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, what, whatever God blesses, whatever God loves, the enemy hates. Whatever he blesses, the enemy curses. 
See, God blessed, we talked about this um, last week, God blessed our marriage. God blessed the sanctity of marriage with Adam and Eve in, in Genesis, the first chapter. And he blessed them and he gave them a mission. And when he blessed them, immediately what God blesses, the enemy curses. The enemy hates immediately, and we see that in Genesis, the second chapter. Immediately, what, what God brought together, the enemy sought to divide. He immediately sought to destroy it. And so we have a very real enemy, and so we, we don't fight against uh, the, the things that we see. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against things that are unseen, things that we would sometimes choose to ignore. And see, you are the crown jewel. Your marriage is the crown jewel. It's the apple of God's eye. It's something that God uh, values, loves. He loves you individually more than anything, so much so that he sent his son to die for you. So how much do you think the enemy hates you? How much do you think that he is jealous of you? How much does he want to destroy you? If God loves something a little bit, he wants to, he wants to kill it a little bit. If he loves it a whole lot, he wants to kill it a whole lot. And so when we're struggling, when we're struggling with our spouse, when we're struggling in our relationship, when we're struggling, we have these feelings of anxiety, we have these feelings of frustration, we have these feelings that um, we, we are angry or upset or hurt or afraid or we, we lose trust. We're not fighting against our spouse. We're not fighting against our spouse is not our enemy. No matter what it is that they've done, we are fighting a spiritual power. We are fighting a spiritual attack. And so imagine this, imagine that you knew that, uh, that there was, imagine on the news there was a prison break. We had a, a prisoner escape uh, prison, and you knew that, that this prisoner, this prisoner hates your family. Maybe you're the one that testified against him, and, and you put him in prison, and, and, and he hates your guts. And so this prisoner, you know that this prisoner who has escaped, he is plotting your demise. He has been circling your house. He's been watching your family. He is plotting your destruction. He is he's trying to figure out every weakness. He's trying to figure out every way that he can get in, everywhere that your, your house is vulnerable. He's watching you. He's studying you with the aim and the desire to kill you, to destroy your marriage, and to destroy your family. His desire, his aim is to, to come for you and to kill everything that you love, what would you do? What would you do in that moment? I mean, I imagine many of us would, at minimum, we'd get us an ADT, right? We'd get us a security system, maybe a, a minimum of ring video doorbell, right? So we could see him and the Amazon guy, um, depending on who it is. Um, but you would be on your guard. You would be preparing. You would be planning a defense, man. You would have weapons hidden everywhere, man. You would have like maybe a long sword hidden up in your, you know, above the cabinets where you could pull it down and, you know, no? Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe some nunchucks in the, in the den and uh, maybe, you know, you would have, I would venture to say that you would have some kind of firearm, right? You would start planning your defense. You would start planning for that attack. You would start preparing. You would warn your family. You would establish a watch, man. You wouldn't go to bed. You would be vigilant. See, that's what the enemy is doing for our lives. And see, we have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant as, as the leaders of our family, as the leaders of our marriage. We have to be vigilant over this enemy that seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says this, says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. If I could say it this way, he's looking for a marriage to devour. See, too often we, we just want to push these things to the side because it's not always the most pleasant thing. See, it's so much easier to ignore what we cannot see. See, we want to fight with the guy that cut us off, with the dude that, that cut in line at Starbucks. Um, we want to fight with the, the person at work that we think has it out for us. We want to fight with all of these flesh and blood people because we didn't see them, but realizing that we are completely ignoring the real threat. We are completely ignoring the real threat uh, of destruction. We are completely ignoring the real threat to everything that we love and hold dear. And see, Peter's saying, stay alert, stay alert. Don't get lulled to sleep. Don't, don't push it to the side, stay alert, because there is a real enemy who wants to devour your marriage, who wants to devour everything that, he that you love. So how does the devil attack? What do we need to be on alert for? What is it that, 
that what are some of his motives and ways that he comes at us in life? Well, there's a couple things. See, the devil never announces his attacks. That's one thing that we need to, to understand. He's, he never says, you know, like when we're doing good or everything, he's like, he's never yelling at us from across the street saying, hey, watch out. I'm coming next Tuesday for you. I wish, right? You guys ever had the devil announce when he's going to attack you? You ever have, you ever have like in, in advance, you know when all hell's going to break loose in your life? No, it just kind of happens, right? And you never saw it coming. It's like, oh my gosh, this week was just the week from, and I don't even know what, and man, it just came out of nowhere. See, maybe, maybe I'm just not as spiritual as some of you, but, but see, it always seems like he just kind of sneaks around. And he attacks when we're most vulnerable, and he attacks when we least expect it. And he attacks, uh, and he comes to destroy our life. See, the devil often attacks with two things, with distractions and seductions. He attacks with distractions and seductions. We see this even in, uh, in Genesis. He distracted Eve with the apple. You know, he distracted uh, Judas with money. He, he distracted David. He distracted uh, Solomon even. And, and we see this time and again, those who, who fall, he, he distracts them. He distracts them and, and gets their eyes off of what's important, gets their eyes off of God, gets their eyes uh, off of what, uh, what is valuable to them. He gets you distracted. See, we see a powerful verse in, in the Old Testament and the Song of Songs. Which you got? If you're going to do a relationship series, right? You got to go to Song of Songs, right? There's a lot of good stuff in there. We're not gonna we're not gonna go into all of it, but you know, maybe just one time, just you know, crack open, light a candle, and crack open Song of Songs, and maybe you and your wife just read that together. I'm just saying, it might make for a good evening. You never know. You guys have no clue what I'm talking about. You need to find out real quick. I'm just saying. But Solomon is pursuing the Shulamite woman. And he's talking about how beautiful she is, man. And he starts, he starts complimenting his beloved. Now, no doubt Solomon's game needs a little bit of work because he uses some lines that I don't know that it would work so much in the context. He starts complimenting and saying, listen, baby, your hair is like a flock of goats. That's what I'm saying. What's up? The flock of goats. You know what's your neck? Let me tell you about your neck. It's like the Tower of David, sweetheart. Your neck is like the Tower of David. And your two font, no, 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 don't go there. Um, he, we'll read that part later. But he starts, he starts complimenting her. And then all of a sudden things, things kind of get serious here with Song of Songs. And he, there's this verse in here where it says in, in Songs, the, the second chapter, 14 and 15, it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. What is he saying there? See, foxes would eat the blossoms. See, they would and not allow for the blossoms to fall on the ground, and thus the grapes would never grow. And, and what would happen is it would ruin the harvest. These little foxes, he says, catch the foxes, the little foxes, those little things that get in our way, that keep us from, from the harvest, that keep us from the good things, for the, keep us from the things. They come and they eat the blooms and they keep us from the harvest. See, too often we're, we're looking out for, for the lions to come in. We're watching out for the tigers. We're watching out for the bears. Oh, my we're watching out for these things. We're watching out for these big things. But Solomon said, no, 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 it's the little things. It's the foxes. It's the little things that come in and they steal what the goodness of God, ha what God has for your relationship. It's the foxes. It's the enemy tries to distract you with things that, that you barely notice. But if left unchecked, they'll go on to destroy you. It's the little foxes that the enemy distracts you with, not the big things. It's kind of like the enemy is never going to come to you and say, hey, you should go rob a bank today. That'd be a good idea. Because more than likely, and hopefully everybody in this room would say, no, I'm not robbing a bank. I don't think. How easy is it going to be? No. No, he's not going to come to you with something that, that is big and seems ridiculous that immediately you're going you're gonna to recognize. But he might come to you and say, hey, you know what? You could just cheat on your taxes a little bit. Nobody will know. See, it's the little things that destroy the integrity and begin to eat away. It's the little foxes that we have to worry about. See, I'll give you an example. It's, it's the little foxes that the devil might come to you, ladies, and he might get you to try and get you to compare your husband. 
He might begin with getting you to compare your husband to, to a TV show. Um, in, in fact, uh, he might. This Is Us is one of the worst things that could have ever happened to husbands all around. It, the, the show This Is Us, let me tell you, ladies, let me just go ahead and break it down to you. Jack is not real. He is not real. He is never going to be real. And so to, to give the expectation that, that I'm going to be Jack, that's a little bit much. You know what I'm saying? But he'll get you, ladies, to, compare, to begin comparing your husbands. And next thing you know, he'll, he'll get you, he'll speak, you know, he'll begin to whisper, you know, he doesn't really take you out on dates. Don't you, don't you see Facebook? Don't you see how, how her husband takes her out? Don't you see how he posts things about how much he loves her and values her? See, don't you wish that your husband was like him? And he'll whisper anything. You know, you really don't have any romance in your marriage. They have romance. Look at their marriage. They have romance. You don't have romance in your marriage. You don't have the emotional connection like they do. Look at how he holds her. Look at how he displays her. Look, when they go to Magic Kingdom and they take the picture, look at how he has his arm around her and they're smiling and everything. You don't have that with your husband. He doesn't value you like that. See, it's the little foxes. It's the little things that he begins to eat away and to chip away at your relationship and the integrity of your relationship. See, and then next thing you know, it's like, man, he doesn't really, he doesn't really talk to you. He doesn't really value you. He doesn't hear what you have to say. But the guy at work does. The guy that is in the cubicle next to me, the guy that, that uh, is just down the hall, he listens. And that's okay because I've got to talk to somebody, right? I've got to have some kind of outlet. The, the Lord knows I, I've got to get this. I've got to talk to somebody, and, and he's a good listener. He listens. And see, just like that, your marriage, your relationship is compromised. Just like that, it's little things that compromise our marriage. It's little things that compromise our relationship. It's little distractions, and it's little ways that, that the enemy comes in and whispers in our ear. It's the little nitpicky things. It's meaningless things. It's insignificant things. Like picking on the way we drive. You know what I mean? And the enemy would just come in and just, just begin to, to nitpick and to, and to get you to get so frustrated with the way he drives, man. Listen, we got problems. I'm going to get in trouble for this, but my wife, she constantly tells me, she's constantly yelling at me. It's like, you drive it like you stole it. I'm like, I didn't steal it. I'm making payments, you know? <laughs> And it's just little things we don't really have a problem with that. She says that in love, I believe. I take it that way. Um, but it's the little things. It's, you know, it's, oh, my gosh, I cannot take how they chew. If they chew like that one more time, I swear I'm going to take my knife and I'm just going to throw it. I'm going to stab them with my fork. It's the little things, right? Nobody point fingers at this point. I can't even take that. If you do that, oh, my good Lord. No, you can bump a little bit, but no. How you chew. And that leads into bigger things, fights over money, fights over money and where we have no common plan and, and we, we're not on the same page and, and we have no agreement and thus we have no trust. I tell you, man, the enemy will come in, uh, just being transparent with you, the enemy came in uh, just this week and Jessica and I, uh, we, we got not, we didn't get into a fight, I wouldn't call it a fight, we had a disagreement, we, we, we differed because I get anxious and, and I have my way in thinking about money, but see, here's what God did and, and us and we're praying together and we're, we're together and, and we are better together, what we said is, you know what, we're going to get a plan that works for us in how we spend. Because see, what would happen is I would get frustrated by the little things, like the little bit of online shopping. You know what I mean? <laughs> the little. It might have been a lot. Um, <laughs> I would get frustrated by these things, and I kept getting frustrated. In the meantime, she's like, no, no, no. Um, you know, player's going to play. I'm going to shop. It's going to happen. you gotta get, you got to get over it. Like, you know, Forever 21 ain't going out of business. I'm keeping it in business. It's going to happen. H&M, like, you know, if you want to bless my wife, get her a Forever 21 H&M or American Eagle gift card because they have most of my money now. <laughs> but I've got my things, too. Immediately she points out that it's like, well, how much do you spend in supplements and gym memberships and all this? And I'm like, shut up. I don't want you talking about my stuff. Don't call me out. You know? <laughs> But it's little things. And so instead of giving in to the little things, the little nitpicky things, instead of giving in to the, the whispers of the enemy and, and where he would like to distract us, we said, no, no, no. You know what we need? We need a plan that's agreeable to both of us. And we will maintain the integrity of this plan. And thus it gives us freedom to do what we want to do and liberty and still accomplish our goals. 
And see, we're not going to give any place for the enemy to come in and cause friction and, and cause distraction and, and cause a, a division among me and her. No, no, no. We are on the same page. We are together. We're going to get a plan so that we don't get distracted and get divided. Can I say amen? Amen. That sounds good. See, one of you might be controlling. One of you might be critical. One of you picks everything apart. One's passive. One's defensive. See, the enemy will prey on those weaknesses. See, the bottom line is, wherever you have a weakness, that's where the enemy will attack. If your weakness is in finances, the Lord knows my weakness can be, I get anxious over finances. I always want to be saving money and paying off stuff and everything. And, and, and that's one of my weaknesses. I, I get anxious over those things. And so the enemy attacks me in those places. And I know it and I have to recognize it. But the enemy will always attack you where you're the weakest. He knows exactly how to trigger that anger, that insecurity, that fear. He knows exactly how to distract you from the truth of God's word. He knows exactly how to do it. He'll tell you that you and your spouse are not compatible, that it must not be God's will because, because you're not compatible. You, you fight or, or you have these disagreements that it's not God's will, and, and he begins to distract you. He begins to distract you with the this and that. Sometimes he distracts you with, with golf. Sometimes he distracts you with work. He distracts you with different things, which leads into the second thing. He, he uses distractions and he uses seductions. See, seductions is a little bit different and kind of along the same line. He distracts you with something and then he seduces you into it. See, we, we look the other way and then all of a sudden we're drawn to it. And see, for some of us, we're, we're seduced by the idea of work. We're seduced by the idea of climbing the corporate ladder. We're seduced by the idea of, of earning and making and, and got to have the new car and got to have uh, the new this, the new that, the next Jordans, the next Apple, the next this, the next that. Whatever it is, you've got to have the next, newest, brightest. And, and it's a seduction that, that the enemy uses to say he, he tries to validate you in those things. He tries to say, man, if you had that then you would be somebody. Then you would be successful. You don't, it doesn't matter if you have your wife. You need that. See, that's what it becomes, is you need that. Whatever that is for you, and he begins to seduce you with that. This is no longer good enough. You need that. See, for some of you uh, out there, and, and this can be for, for wives, this can be for husbands, but I see it uh, prevalent, and I, I checked this with my wife and said, hey, uh, what is something that, that women are, are often seduced by? And, and she said, well, attention. See, ladies, so often we can, uh, not we, you can <laughs> get seduced by attention, by likes, by that person who, who talks to you, that person who gives you uh, that uh, attention. And, and the enemy knows how to play on, on your insecurities. Men, same thing. Hey, we're just as insecure. The, the enemy knows how to play on, on our insecurities as well. And, and he'll seduce you with positive affirmations. He'll seduce you with likes. Like how many of us, man, you go back, and I've been guilty of this before, man. You post something, and you just want to go back and see how many likes you get. I remember when we first got social media, it was so funny. We would go back, and we would see how many likes. And then uh, I remember one time we posted a picture. This was a couple years ago, and we said something about, you know, our anniversary. And not a lot of people, like, gave us the thumbed up. And Jessica was like, hey, nobody likes us. I was like, no, 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 baby. They just probably didn't see it, man. We're awesome, you know. But it's just funny how you fall into that trap. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just funny how you fall into that seduction of wanting positive affirmations, of wanting attention. And ladies, that's a dangerous place to be. Man, that is a dangerous place to be when you want the attention of someone who is not your wife, when you want the attention of somebody who is not your spouse. And then there's the big one that affects every single one of us. The big seduction that, that the enemy is using now, he's used it since day one. This has been uh, capital one, uh, number one in the playbook since the beginning. And that's sexual temptation. Sexual seduction, sexual temptations. You know that studies show, and this is amazing, studies show, you know, we talked about the, the statistics of those who pray together and everything, and, and less than 1% of people, marriages of people who pray together end up in divorce. So that means that when you pray together, it is 99% likely that you are going to remain married to your spouse. On the other side of it, they interviewed couples who have, who have already went through a divorce. Did you know that 60% of couples that have ended up in divorce, they cite pornography 
as a, as a factor, as a major factor in, in divorce. See, that's the reality of the situation. And, and too often the church just wants to pretend like that's, the church just wants to pretend like that's not there. We just wanna, we wanna step over it and we wanna talk about something else. Like, let that be in the darkness. We don't wanna talk about that, but that is destroying more people, more families, more relationships than anything else. It is a sickness and a cancer that we have to bring to light. And the reality is the enemy is coming in and he's saying, listen, you can do this and nobody will know about it. While you rot from the inside out, while marriages are holed out from the inside. And everybody sees the facade, everybody sees the smile when you come to church, but they don't know that the cancer is eating you up inside. Sexual temptations. See, we can't get around this reality. Ephesians 5 and 3 says this. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Not even a hint. Not even a little bit. We're not even going to crack the door as the musicians come and I'm out of time. I can't believe it. Not even a hint. Not even a little bit. We're not going to crack the door. Let's play a little game here for a second. When is it okay to have a hint of sexual sin in your marriage? When is it okay to have a hint uh, of sexual uh, temptation in your marriage? Is, is it okay when you, uh, when you lie to your spouse and you meet somebody online and, and you sleep with them? No, we know that one. Is it okay when you, when you binge watch pornography on your phone and you compare your wife to, to the, the images that you see and the things that you see which there is nobody on the face of this earth because that's not real and that's not reality and even what you see is carefully crafted and designed to stimulate you in a way that is like drugs. It is like heroin to your brain. They've done studies that have showed that pornography is, you have the same dopamine reactions as you do to hardcore drugs. That it stimulates the same pathways, the same neural pathways in your brain. Maybe it's not full-blown porn, but maybe, maybe it, where's the line? Where's, where's the hint of sexual immorality? Maybe it's, it's just a Netflix program that, that they don't show at all, but they show a little bit. But that's okay. It's just mature. It's, it's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm big enough to handle that. I'm an adult. See, where's the line? Where's not even a hint start? <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe it's, is it in dressing provocatively? Is it in posting immodest photos? Is it, is it in borderline inappropriate conversations? See, I know this is where the room gets quiet because I know that there are people who are really dealing with these situations. See, I don't apologize for talking about this because we have to change the line. See, too many of us, we're, we're living too close to the line. There's too many of us that we don't understand what is impurity. It's a poison. It is a poison that some of us are content to sip slowly. And it doesn't kill us right away, but we just continue to sip just a little bit at a time. And it is slowly killing everything that God loves. Every relationship, every interaction, it is killing your marriage and rotting it from the inside out. Where is the line of sin? See, for me, I don't want to be anywhere near it. Too many of us want to toe the line and we want to come up to the line and say, okay, there's the line. And I'm going to stay right here. It's not, I'm not quite stepping over. But see, right there, it's too easy to fall. It's too easy. It's too easy to fall in somewhere that I never intended. It's too easy to fall and go in a direction that I never planned for. I never intended to be there. I never set out to do this, but, but I just walked that line. See, how many of you are walking just like this? I'm not quite doing it, but I'm right there. It's not really pornography, but it's right there. It's real close. Somebody said, what is pornography? Well, I know it when I see it. See, for me, anything close, anything that, that takes my mind, distracts my mind off of my wife. See, I don't want anything to do with that. See, God has given me her. I don't want to mess up her by comparing her to something that's not real. She's beautiful just how she is. She's perfect just how she is. See, I don't want to toe that line and even have a hint of messing that up. I don't want to toe that line and have a, a hint of... of falling over see we try to 
we try to toe that line. See, in Proverbs 4, Solomon says it this way in verse 14 and 15. He says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. Get rid of it. Not even a hint. Do everything that you can do to move away from it. Run from it. Avoid it. Don't go anywhere near that long. That's not a passive scripture. It's an active scripture, and we are actively protecting our marriage. Sometimes that means having limited access to our phones. That might mean putting barriers where we're never alone with the opposite sex. That might mean that that we have no uh, ongoing conversations with people on social media that it's inappropriate to. That might mean giving access. Listen, my wife has access to, to everything social media that I'm a part of. She has access to my cell phone. She knows my cell phone password. She can see, she can read every email. She can read every text message. She can see every uh, Facebook messenger. If you message me on Facebook, just know that she's gonna read it. She has access to everything because I am gonna live in the light and I'm not gonna hide anything from her. I'm not, I'm going to avoid any temptation. I'm gonna avoid any place where the enemy can get to me and whisper to me and say, hey, you know what? It's gonna be all right. Nobody will know. See, that might mean setting restrictions on your Netflix account. That might mean going to the extremes, wherever. You might have to delete some apps. For you, it might mean deleting Instagram. For somebody, it might mean unfollowing somebody that you can't handle their pictures that they post. I'm talking about real. I'm talking about avoiding. I'm talking about running from those things so that we can have a better relationship, so that we can have a better marriage, so that we can have what God intended for us to have so that we won't be seduced by the things of the enemy. It's the little foxes. It's the little things that'll destroy your relationship. Why fight a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? What do you have the power to eliminate today? See, I don't wanna deal with the temptation of pornography later, so I eliminate the possibility of it today. I eliminate those things from my life today why leave a door open that i can lock today in this place there might be two extremes of people there might be some of you saying man i don't know why you're talking about this i don't appreciate you talking about this Um, this is stupid Um, i don't have a problem with it and then there might be those of you in here that you're saying i am so trapped in this i don't see any way out I am so, it is so dark. I am so engulfed and so surrounded in this that I don't see any possibility of a future. I don't see any way that I can break the addiction. I don't see any way that I can get outside of these problems that I've created in my life. Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13, Paul addresses both of these extremes. For those of you who think that you're good and those of you who think that you could never be good again, Paul says this, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, it's in him. See, when you, are, when you think you're good, take heed lest you fall. Check your surroundings. Make sure you're nowhere clear, close to the line. And when you're down, come back to him. He'll give you every strength to resist every temptation, no matter what it is, no matter what the seduction, no matter what the enemy has come at you to distract in your marriage, no matter what way he's come at you to distract from what God has put together, no matter how he's divided, no matter how he's nitpicked and he's allowed you to, to go off and do your own thing, come back to God. God will make a way. God will make a way. Whenever I'm tempted, one of the things that helps, I begin to think, and this has, you know, been years gone by, and, and you know, I'm not without my own. I'm human, and, and things happen. But I begin to always think, what would happen if I gave in to this? What would happen if I, if I gave in to, to something? If I gave in to that inappropriate conversation, if I gave in to these things, these seductions, what would happen? Well, one day I'm gonna, I I begin to visualize that. Well, one day I'm gonna have to meet God face to face. I'm gonna have to give an account for every single action. 
It's gonna hurt and disappoint my parents. It's going to, I'm gonna have to, if it's bad enough, I'm gonna have to step down from this church as your pastor. Yes, God will forgive me, but, but the trust will never be the same. So you have to maintain my integrity. And I would have to leave something that I love so dearly. It would crush my children. It would crush my children. See, they believe and they know me as a man of God. They know me as a man of integrity. And see, I, I delight in that. I want them to know me in that way. I wanna be that for them. I wanna be the, the dad. I wanna be the, the one who, who shows them how to be a man after God's own heart. See, I don't wanna bring spirits into my household that then I'm gonna place oppressions on my son that he never asked for, but then I'm bringing spirits in that he never asked for that are gonna plague him and cause him to fall into darkness as well. See, that's the reality of what we do when we give in to our seductions. When we give in to these things and these traps of the enemy. And worst of all, I would devastate Jess, my best friend, my absolute 1,000% best friend in this entire world. I would devastate her, the mother of my two children. See, I think about those things. I think, God, help me. God, make a way. I can't allow the little foxes to spoil what you're doing in my life. I can't allow the little things. I've gotta stay vigilant. God, I've gotta stay in this. I've gotta stay ready. I've gotta stay prepared. I've gotta be on the lookout because the enemy is coming for me. See, answer honestly today. Where are we most, think about this with your spouse. In fact, take your spouse's hand if you have it or the, your significant other, whoever you're with. We've been doing this over the last couple of weeks. I think it's powerful for us to hold hands as, as spouses in agreement and relationship. We've gotta be able to be honest with each other and say, where are we currently most vulnerable to spiritual attacks? Where is it that the enemy, and if you're not married, you might just personalize this and say, where am I most vulnerable? And discuss that, maybe it's later you discuss that and you gotta be honest. What God blesses, Satan curses. What God loves, Satan attacks. We've gotta be on the lookout. This morning, I wanna pray for you, and I know that we've, we've exceeded our time. But I think it's so important. I wanna pray for you as couples, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first thing that you need to, in your marriage is to be Christ-centered. And we wanna give you that opportunity. And you can simply accept Jesus and say, you know what, we are going to accept that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that he came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for our sins, that he was raised up, and that one day that he's coming back for us. And then you can know what it is to have a Christ-centered relationship with him. But for those of you here that are struggling, and maybe this touched on a nerve for some of you, maybe you're really going through things, and I believe that there are those who are going through this, some of these very things that we've talked about. I know it because the enemy has fought all week. He's fought me, he's fought this church, he's fought the delivering of this message. And I know that there are those of you, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, where you're at in this, that you are dealing with some of these and it's a life or death issue. Listen, the enemy doesn't play. He's not, he's not just coming just to bruise you. He's not coming just to knock you down. The scripture said he is coming to kill you. He is coming to kill everything that you love. He is coming to destroy everything that is good that God brought into your life. He doesn't wanna just have you knocked down in your marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to wreck your family and not just for today, but for generations. But see, he can't have it. See, he cannot have what you don't give him. See, it's time that we as couples, we, we hold hands and we pray and we take hold of scripture and we quote 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and we say, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. What are our weapons? It's the sword of the spirit, God's word. Ephesians 6, 17 talks about the sword of the spirit in God's word. And sometimes we have to quote the word of God in our life. We have to quote Isaiah 54, 17 that says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are made overcomers. In Revelations, he says, we are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. See, we have to come together, be vigilant and pray. I'm gonna pray for you this morning. And I wanna do this, it's a little bit different. We're gonna pray that we'll take up offering and everything. But after service, if your marriage needs prayer, 
If you want us to pray with you, as we conclude service and the band continues to pray, Jessica and I will be right here in the front. We wanna pray with you. I am passionate about this. I believe that God wants to restore marriages and he wants to bring you closer to him than ever before. And we're gonna see God do amazing things in this church because God is gonna do amazing things in the lives of our families, amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray right now for those who are struggling. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now would touch those right now that are feeling that struggle. They are feeling their tension. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be quick to give them peace, to let them know that you are with them, God, that you go before them. And Lord, all they have to do is to come back to you, that victory is in you, that Lord, they do not fight their battles as other people do, Lord. They don't fight their battles with uh, weapons of flesh and blood, that Lord, that they fight their battles with you, Lord God. God, I pray for every marriage in this place, for every person who is struggling with addiction. God, we rebuke every spirit of the enemy, every attack of the enemy. Lord, we, we pray that you would lift them up and show them, Lord, that they can live a life of integrity, God. That it does not have to be their story. God, it, the, the death and destruction does not have to be their, their story. But God, you have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Lord, you bring life to those things that, that seem to have death, Lord God. And Lord, right now I speak life over these marriages. Lord, no matter what's going on and where they're at, and no matter how much the enemy has fought against them, Lord, we speak life today over each and every one here. And God, I pray that we would have the strength, God, to pursue you in our marriage. God, that we would have the strength, Lord, to put you first, to be Christ-centered, to be mission-driven, and to be devil-kicking in our relationship. That we would be vigilant, God, that we would be alert, that we would not be passive, but that we would be active, God, defending that which you love, that which you've blessed. And God, we are careful to give you all honor, all glory, and all praise, and all God's children said amen and amen. If you believe that, would you just give him praise this morning and thank him for his grace and his mercy. And if you're struggling, there is hope for you. There is hope. God has made a way where there seems to be no way. And I promise you, no matter how dark it is, no matter how dark it is, there is a way that leads to light.